Well, as we can be. Okay, we're all good. All right. Thank you, everybody. Uh, this is the Community Police Review Board uh, meeting for October 13th, 2022. Welcome, everyone. Quick little roll call. I guess Stephanie Littleton is not going to be here. Just say present. I'll call out your name. Uh, Mr. Mishre. Present. Uh, uh, Jordan. Present. Uh, Tanya. Present. Jennifer. Present. And I'm James. I'm present. <laughs> so let's move on to the uh, meeting minutes for uh, August 11th. Would anyone like to uh, approve the minutes for August 11th? Make a motion for that. I'd like to make a motion to approve August 11th minutes. Okay. I'll second. I'll second. All in favor, say aye. 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 Okay. So uh, we'll move on to approving the minutes for September 8th. Uh, would anyone like to make a, make a motion to approve those minutes? Hmm. Or is there any discussion on that? I had, a, I had a quick clarification. In the statement, because <laughs> September 11th, I should have been here, but... September 8th. 8th. Maybe I wasn't here. I left as we exited the executive session. Okay. In the resolution, did we say that we did not get all the data? Do you remember, Jordan? Yeah, it says, while most of the files were, not all were presented. Okay. Yeah, it says the board shall be provided a copy of the file in its entirety. While most of the files were, not all were presented. Good. So that was in the Fair scenario. enough. Then I misread. I'm good. Okay. So, so you're good with the yes. minutes so yes. far, okay? Um. On item two, it says that we received the monthly complaint report from Chief Lockhart, and we discussed that those were completed complaints only, and we were gonna ask if we could get complaints that were submitted. Mm -hmm. yes. That was last month, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. I don't see that noted anywhere in the minutes, that there was going to be further discussion that the chief was gonna reach out to city staff to see if that was possible. Mm -hmm. um, can we amend the minutes to include that note? Yes, we can do that. Or add that to this meeting's notice to uh, continue with that uh, question of uh, the process of getting uh, complaints ahead of time. Yeah. Or those that have been submitted, the total number submitted. submitted. Yes. Yeah, right. What Jordan is asking for maybe is the meetings to be amendment, presented reports and discussion it was requested that they present in process complaints also yes. is that a fair statement yes okay. so the the is there a motion to amend the minutes yes, yes. okay yes. Mm -hmm. to reflect that 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 Request question was, was posed made. at the september 8th yes. meeting yeah i second that mm -hmm. okay all in favor say aye 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 aye, aye. okay uh would you like to read the yes, sir. public comment? Um, public comment. Uh, the public is allowed to speak at public comment after first being recognized by the chair, except that any complaints or comments regarding individually identifiable officers are not allowed. Rather, 
any such comments or complaints may be provided to the board in writing and the board will forward such comment or complaint to the appropriate person within the Lawrence Police Department. The board may establish reasonable limitations on the allowable length of public comment. As a general practice, the board will not discuss or debate these items, nor will it make decisions on items presented during this time. Thank you. Now we're gonna open it for general public comment. Does anyone want to make general public comment? State your name. My name is Michael Lawrence Countability, and to be clear, I'm not making a complaint. And there's nothing in this that is individually identifiable. My purpose here is to make the board aware of what the attitude is on the street. All I'm asking is your name, man. Robert. Robert what? What's your name? Robert what? What's your name? Sir, what's your last name? What is your name? Sir, what's your last name, please? Sir, I don't want to have to file a complaint on you to get your name. Will you just tell me your last you name? Tell me your name? You... Okay, if you're not going to tell me Okay, we can do that, and I'll blast you on the media, and we'll get everybody out there, and we can find out who the fuck you are. Why can't you just tell me your fucking name? That's the attitude that we deal with on the street, or at least that I deal with on the street, because my name is Michael, and I'm with Lawrence Accountability. That just happened today. I hadn't planned on talking about that tonight. What I had planned on talking about tonight was the 17 shots that were fired on 21st Street a week ago yesterday, or a week ago Monday, sorry. And if I remember right, I believe it was in this meeting, we had Chief Lockhart in here talking a big game about how many beanbag shotguns we deployed and all the training that we had done with these less than lethal weapons. The story reported by the Journal World is inaccurate. I've spoken with neighbors, I've spoken with family members. There were calls for help made for this man. Last night at a county commission meeting, I found out that Burt Nash had no idea. The leaders of Burt Nash apparently didn't even know that somebody had been fired at 17 times in this town lately. That shocked me and it angered me. And it angers me that these boards, these commissions continue to let the police and the Lawrence General World establish the narrative. This was not a simple burglary where the suspect was caught on scene and displayed a weapon in a threatening manner. This was not that. And if you guys would ask the questions, you will find out. This was not that. I'm gonna put out the video, Adam. I'm gonna put out the video. I've got interviews from people that were over there and they're willing to go on camera and talk because what they saw was wrong. One of them, when I first walked up there, they killed that man. That was all he kept saying to me, was they killed that man. They killed that man. The neighbor tells me that your officers didn't even move to clear the other side of the duplex before they opened fire. And I know they were on scene quite a long time. Why wasn't that other side of that duplex cleared? That neighbor told me they ran for cover when the shots started going off. Police officer safety is all that matters. Our safety doesn't. They will go home at all costs. And you saw it on 21st Street. And I think I told the city commission, 
when I talked about Jalen Walker. Actually, you guys, I think it was you when we talked about Jalen Walker and the chief coming in here and expressing all his condolences for Jalen Walker and the, and the 60 some odd shots that they shot at him. And I told you it was gonna happen here, didn't I? Because that's how they train. They trained to kill. I told you it was gonna happen. And now it has. So you can continue to treat me like the scourge of this town, or we can get our shit together and stop people from dying. Thank you, Michael. Is there anyone else that wants public comment? I think we have Sherilyn and Stephen. There are two people. Two some. people. Uh, let's start with uh, Sherilyn. Sherilyn, you have three minutes. <clears throat> I also want to talk about the man that was shot. I, as someone that has experienced mental health problems, I honestly find it, I don't want to make it about me, but I find it shocking and traumatic, honestly. <clears throat> I mean, from what I can tell, the family had called several different times. I don't understand why the police, if the family was calling for wellness checks over and over, why you didn't take this man somewhere. The police are empowered. If somebody's a threat to themselves or others, you don't need a court order, you can take them. I mean, I just don't understand what happened. Did, did you call Bert Nash for some crisis intervention? I mean, I don't understand. You say we got crisis intervention, mobile crisis intervention. Evidently, he wasn't dangerous up until the point where he was had a gun. Did you ask him, do you have a gun? Do we have red flag laws here where you can take guns away from people that are becoming very unstable? I mean, I just find it just plain shocking. I don't know what else to say. I mean, it just, it seems like, I don't want to be negative, but it just sounds like a failure for someone that was in a state of crisis. I understand if he's pointing a gun, you have to do something, but what happened the six times that the family called before then? I thought you guys were trained in crisis intervention. I, I hope that this thing doesn't, kind of thing doesn't happen again. And we can think of better ways to deal with people that are getting like that. Thank you. Thank you. Unless you guys do something, it'll happen again. Steven? Yeah, I, thank you. Sadly, yes, I also want to add some comments about this most recent police killing. This concept of officer safety will be thrown at us, as we all know. And I, I got that thinking, you know, as a social worker, I went into some of the worst kinds of places God can imagine. And I now realize that social work is now the family police, but that's a whole other story. Uh, social workers never went into places armed with guns and knives, and we had no clue what was inside and what was waiting for us. And I was confronted several times with weapons. Hey, you know, the way policing is today, I understand that things are different. And, and so 
Because things are different, we cannot feel safe in contacting the police on mental health matters. This is what happens. The training that the police get is warrior-based training. I've come to grips with the reality that our community is comfortable with having Gestapo-like people dressed like Gestapo-like individuals walking around asserting themselves as opposed to being officer friendly and saying, hello, how are you, what's going on? Man, maybe those days are gone, I don't know. But our community needs to weigh in and say, this is what we want with the police. It's okay that they are trigger happy. Where were the shotguns that were promised for beanbag stuff? I know you guys don't have the question, don't have answers to these kinds of rhetorical questions because that's what they are. Why is the community not asking these questions or are they on the street level? And in the quote leadership levels where we protect a sacred cabal, it is a cabal law enforcement and its relationship with the industrial complex of quote justice, the judicial industry that's what it is these guys making fat money anyway please continue forward but realize you guys i mean it's you're the line this is this is it you guys are it thanks for your time thank you is there any more public comment i don't see any okay there's a lot more So let's move on to the uh, updates for the Community and Engagement Committee. Jennifer? Uh, before we start, if I could just make a little correction on the agenda. Mm -hmm. So I think um, item number three should be policy committee. But not public committee. <laughs> right? Yes. Perhaps. Mm -hmm. Instead uh, of police committee? Yeah. So if we could just make that minor change on the agenda. Oh, number three should be what? Policy? Policy committee. You can give us only three minutes. I know. Let <laughs> me get there. There. Okay. I can stop it one Thanks. way. All right. Policy. So, it, not that we're going to delve into it a lot here as the board right now. But we did meet with Chief Lockhart last week to set this agenda, and we made a point of offering him a space to address the shooting. And he stated that it is under investigation mm -hmm. and that he wouldn't be able to say a lot. Yes. But we did ask him to address how the training around these sorts of situations is handled um, and to not just leave this on addressed by this committee and in this space because it is a responsibility that we have to this community. I agree. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, I do believe um, either at the August meeting or the September meeting, there was a discussion about uh, de-escalation training. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yep. Mm -hmm. So, and, and, and we'll get to those topics yeah. as okay. we move along the agenda. Mm -hmm. uh, but right now, let's go back to the a update on the community engagement. Okay. Jennifer? Yes. So uh, this is Board Member Robinson. So the Community Engagement Subcommittee, Sanjay, James, and myself met on September 27th via Zoom. Uh, we discussed how we'd like to speak with LPD about what organizations or groups they've outreached 
um, and help them connect with other organizations we feel would be helpful. Uh, we as a subcommittee also want to be proactive in connecting with groups and getting feedback for the LPD and for the board. Um, one uh, concrete step that we took uh, in order to reduce barriers to contacting the board because currently citizens have to, you know, find our individual email addresses and, you know, the board changes so often. We asked um, Assistant City Manager Casey Toomey and Chief Lockhart about the possibility of getting a central board email address um, that goes to all board members um, so that community members can contact us as a whole. Um, so we just feel like this would reduce barriers. It would make it really straightforward and easy to contact the board. Another avenue for making a complaint as well. So um, yeah, that's the update from our meeting. I think we've got another one scheduled for November. Thank you, Board Member Robinson. So, quick comment: Do you? What do the other board members think? Do you want a resolution? Do we need a resolution? Motion for a central address. I you think it's a good, yeah, other members have to chime in whether it's a good idea or not to have a central email address. Oh, yeah. Do y'all agree that would be helpful? I agree that yeah. would be helpful. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it would be helpful. I think it would take the strain off of the um, personal information being sent to the, each individual as opposed to we have a central address, so in case someone's out of town or something like that, it won't get lost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just so you don't have to keep up with who's yes. part of the... Because people come in, means the board is has a much longer life than any of us have on the board. Correct. Mm -hmm. So the board should have a mm -hmm. central address where the community can get to us all together rather than have to pull the names and put it in the email sent to box, which we thought was a simpler, easier way for the community at least to stay in touch with the board. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't think we'll need a motion. I think we just need okay. to wait here. For I affirm it. From mm -hmm. Casey and Chief Lockhart. Mm -hmm. Head nods mean yes or no. Uh, I am affirming, and I think we can instruct the city staff to assist us with that. Let's put it to a motion. Okay. All those that are for uh, a central email address, um, I make the motion. You're for that. making the motion. I will I'm, second it. Okay. All those that oppose, uh, all those that approve, uh, wanting to have a central email address, say aye. 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 All those who oppose, silence is golden. <laughs> okay. Uh, moving on to the. Uh, Police Oversight Work Group? Yes. I can do an update. Thank you. Oh, uh, for the, oh. oh, for the work group. Oh, okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, so um, once again, those included in the email that we received today from Casey, um, that would be James and Stephanie and me. Uh, um, so we all uh, received uh, an email from Casey um, affirming the group and what our scope of work is in the group to get started and I'll just read that real quickly from her okay. email. Um, the first is to review and make recommendations concerning the complaint review process. I think we're going to hear a little bit about that from 
um, the policy group as well here in a minute. Um, review and make recommendations concerning the advisory <coughs> oversight and review authority of the uh, CPRB. And then third, review and make recommendations concerning the proposed ordinance changes that we've had on the agenda. So the work group can collaboratively work um, at addressing the proposed ordinance. Thank you, Board Member um, Salvini. Yeah, there's. Um, they also did, the city reports that they retained a professional facilitator, Jay Morris Consulting. Um, and so we'll probably meet in the next couple weeks is what they're anticipating. That sounds good. Moving on to the pot, uh, an update on the policy committee. Uh, we'll get to that. Um, uh, but moving on to the policy committee. We'll get to that. Yes, we'll get to that. When are we going to get to that, sir? Uh, moving on to the policy committee. Uh, update on that. The agenda items. Please uh, hold on, Mike. Are you not allowing public comment on agenda? We will get to that. Would you like a update on the policy committee? Yes, item number three on the agenda is an update from the policy committee. The agenda does say police committee, but that is a typo. It's mm -hmm. policy committee. Right. Um, yeah. So um, so Jordan and I met um, and um, talked about perhaps what the policy, what, what the scope of work could be for the policy committee. And um, a couple of things that were... Um, that were really front and center for us were to discuss the complaint process mm -hmm. um, and particularly um, internal, internally how it's handled within uh, and looking for the policies that affirm um, the, um, the oversight for uh, internal complaints. And um, so we did look at the policy, <laughs> identify and see the policy, uh, overall policy um, grouping, I guess I will say. The question, the primary question that came out of just briefly glancing through the policies that are available publicly on the um, LPD website um, is um, who affirms those policy, what kind of oversight and affirming uh, to um, to approve those policies, what's the process of that? And that was a question that we were we were going to bring to the table tonight. In fact, what is the process? Um, because usually, in 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 any policy, whether it's a singular policy or a, a group of policies that oversee <clears throat> programs or agencies, organizations, there's usually a, a process that's also included, and then. Um, the dates that they were reviewed and by whom they were approved by um, and what group over has the oversight of that policy. So we, we had those questions, I think, coming in tonight. Jordan, if you want to speak to that anymore. Um, I think our questions were just kind of what is the process for yeah. establishing policies internally at the police department? Um, who's writing those? Who's approving them? 
who's getting them published. You know, we've heard a couple of times that there's been a change to a policy over the last couple of months. The publicly available policy is still from April. So I think some of our initial questions about the policy are administrative. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what is the authority that those policies have? Where does that authority come from? There's not a large body of ordinance that dictates the content of that policy. So where does that content come from? Um, so we want to delve into those questions initially, and then we plan to meet monthly to go over Absolutely. different policies. Mm -hmm. And we haven't yet established a cadence for breaking down all of the policies. I think there's 500 and some pages of that document. So right. um, I think we're going to start with some issue spotting as it is relevant and appropriate, and then taking it a piece at a time. Specifically, things that are germane to what, what we see as our role and starting with those policies. Mm -hmm. Is there any public comment? On what? What we've just discussed. Did you have a... Is it item three or... Item three? One, item two, or are we going to go through the rest of them and then have another session of public comment? No. Well, since you had brought it up, I'm going to give you credence. And uh, do you have any questions on uh, any public comment to items three, one through three? What about four, five, and six? Haven't got to those yet. I'm sorry. You haven't got to those yet. Okay. Okay. So and let's let let's move on to item uh, agenda four: fair and impartial, an update on the fair and impartial police training. Yeah, I do actually have some public comment. Okay. And I'm not really liking what's going on here because you slapped me down saying we're going to get to that, we're going to get to that, and then right at the end of the number three item, you're going to open the floor to public comment? Yes. So I would appreciate it if you wouldn't treat the public like we're just a fucking annoyance in here and then decide to go ahead and follow policy. The normal process of these meetings is to have a public comment period after each agenda item. So the way you just acted, Mr. Minor, is very fucking disrespectful and I don't appreciate it. I don't appreciate it at all, sir. And I think I have about three minutes to not appreciate it. Because you tell me we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that after I call you out about one and two. And then we get to three and you decide maybe somebody sent you a little text message saying you're way fucking off base in the way you're running this meeting and you better have public comment. So you decide to do it after three. Now I don't appreciate that amount of disrespect and it's the same shit that we get from the commissioners. They backhand us in front of everybody. And I'm not going to be backhanded by the police review board that has been doing nothing for two and a half fucking years around here. We got people dying in the street and you're going to backhand me in here. No. To hell with this board. I'm going to make this city famous one way or the other. And it's going to be you guys that are going to end up being the fault of it if you don't do something about this police department. They killed a guy last week after coming in here talking all this shit about beanbag shotguns and de-escalation and how safe we are. But I get told we'll get to that. So Mr. Miner, when you want to run a meeting, get it right and don't backhand the citizens and then act like you're going to you know, give us time to make public comment. Don't backhand me. <clears throat> God, that shit is fucking irritating. Adam, you might need your cuffs next time if this shit happens again. 
because that was wrong. And your other board members know it, and you can talk about it in your fucking executive session. Moving on to agenda four. Um, I just had a comment about agenda item number three. So are we going to request that at the next meeting we have some of those those policy questions answered? Is that going to be on our next meeting or because I think it's good to give time. I yeah, uh -huh. sure. Thanks. I, I can speak topically about how those processes work and how some of the policies are pushed out and addressed and things like that. But sorry, what I heard was you wanted to have a more in-depth conversation about that in your group. I'm open to doing whatever it is you guys would like to do. So yeah. just let me know and, and we'll go from there. Yeah, and I don't think, like, we never want to, like, put someone on the spot to speak about a topic that hasn't been prepared right, for. Right, right. So, <laughs> um, so what's kind I of the expectation going I think we could probably, forward? I think what, what might help is um, between this meeting and the next meeting, we can put those questions together and put them on the agenda with, from, sure, as a result could, of the meeting. I mean, we could sort that out a little bit more, but if mm -hmm. you feel like you can go back and tell us what the practices now or the approval process I mean just for next meeting you can tell us what that process looks like if, if, if it works for you I can give you kind of a 35,000 foot view and then maybe that helps inform your questions that more specific questions that you guys will have for, to be answered sure if you want to I mean just give a general description now and then maybe we could get a more detailed Okay. Response for next time. Okay. So as you pointed out, the policy manual is, is, is north of 400 pages. Mm -hmm. uh, so there are many policies that are, um, for lack of a better way to put this, um, low-hanging fruit of, uh, you know, how we try to think of a good example and on the spot I'm failing. Uh, all of a sudden I shouldn't have done this. Um, so some of the base policies about uh, required... Uh, attendance of a shift briefing or something like that that is pretty um, across the board while everybody goes well yeah that makes sense you need a policy that says you have to attend shift briefing before you go out on the street so something like that uh, is is something that was written in our policy manual when it was pushed out in this newer format uh, when I started the department we had a, a much smaller um, trimmed down policy manual that, that could be subjective at times, and it, it was more of a, um, uh, what am I trying to say, D direction rather than specific to this kind of stuff. Process? Process. Operation right. and process. Yeah, that's probably a fair way to say it. Um, so we went to this more in-depth, try and cover everything policy manual that, that will lead us towards our uh, goal of accreditation. We have to policy out all these behaviors, actions, processes, things like that. So the, the ones that are, um, I'll just say non-controversial, how about, is probably a, a cleaner way to say it. You must attend shift briefing. Um, those are uh, written as kind of a standardized policy that is uh, part of our uh, contract with the company Lexapol that does police policy manuals in general. Now then they work with attorneys that work in the state of Kansas to ensure that our policies abide by state law, uh, any kind of relevant case law that occurs in the state, things like that. And then they send it to us and we put eyes on it and determine if that meets our practice. Is that through the Attorney General's office then? Uh, it is not. It's a... Uh, right. Yeah, it, it's a private company. 
Right, but in terms of the oversight um, through the state of Kansas, does that come through the Attorney General's office? Now, there are a few specific policies that do come from the Attorney General or at uh -huh. least directions given by the state, um, policies that have to do with uh, how to respond to a domestic incident mm -hmm. or, or obligation in those cases. From, from statutes, Correct. right. Um, yeah. uh, racial bias type stuff, mm -hmm. things like that. There are, there is direction from the Attorney General in those, but not all of them. Mm -hmm. So when you have ones, and I keep going back to this just because it's the only thing I can come up with in my mind of the, you must attend shift briefing. Uh, those are, are given to staff, command staff typically, sometimes training division or office professional accountability, where they put a new set of eyes on it with a local um, look and say, does this meet our practice, the expectation, and then, mm -hmm. then that's pushed out. Uh, that's discussed with the chief, and then we ensure that everything meets legal muster with uh, the city attorneys. Um, when you get into stuff that's more HR or um, some of the more controversial type policies that, that we make sure we're hitting those, but something like you have to attend ship briefing wouldn't be. That would be signed off on by the chief and then pushed out to everybody uh, to a read, understand, and acknowledge. And then if there's a change to it, like we have a change in deployment schedules, so the times change or something, there would be an update to that. It would, it would go to everybody in the department for uh, an additional reading, understanding, demonstration that they understand it, and then signing off on it. Um, this is a, uh, a policy manual that's consistent with the accreditation that we're seeking. Um, so uh, we can talk more in depth about that at a later time. When we get to policies that have a lot of um, community conversations, the um, immigration policy that we worked on, those are ones where we typically will involve different groups. I mean, that one was a two-year process, three-year process, and then had to go again when the state changed their, their uh, state law. So, so those type of policies are ones where there is more in-depth conversation uh, internally and probably externally. So mm -hmm. uh, that's typically how that process runs. That was a really quick explanation of something that's probably much more complex than that. But. So I'm, I'm going to guess then um, locally in terms of uh, local ordinances then, the review comes either from the city attorneys or the would that be correct? If that's yes, if that's needed, that Examining would come from that part the city of attorney. If it has policy. to do with a local ordinance, and I can't think of a good example of that, but I'm, there are examples of that. So, are we talking about just general procedure on how policy changes or policies apply? Is that what we're talking or discussing here? Well, we we had questions about um, affirming or statements even to the public affirming um, the the process. In, in terms of achieving uh, and approving and reviewing the, the overall policies. Um, so, so does the police department, could the police department provide like a general summary of what you go through in order to, to make those changes uh, or make those updates or however you go? Just in general, it doesn't have to be a whole lot of detail. I mean, real specific, but you know, you you kind of outlined some of those things there, Adam, uh, when you when you were just talking there. Yes, that and I don't know if in the process, much like the federal, if there's a policy change, there's a comment period with the document. Does 
the police department use something like that? Uh, Put it in for comments. If I understand it correctly, sometimes but not always. Some policies are, are mandated by law. Some policies uh, have been at least affected by city ordinance. And those uh, we typically have to approve in a timely manner and push out. Um, there, so it is possible, but it is not a normal practice that we have that kind of calming period, I guess. I'm, I'm thinking from the community perspective, if we try to bring them into the policy formation process, formulation process, you'll have a greater buy-in from the community. And how long you leave it open, maybe two weeks, a month, before you say sunset, and we'll take all the comments and... Well, okay. yeah, that, uh, that's, that's a good question, because we, one of the questions I believe that we had was, who affirms that body of policy, right? Is it the city commission? Is it the city manager? At what point does it get affirmed by the city? So the chief of police is ultimately responsible for approving or disapproving policy. And there are policies that do come to city hall, um, specifically, you know, uh, I hate to use the word controversial because it's not necessarily controversial, but ones of note, um, such as the immigration policy. Uh, but as a normal practice, the chief of police is responsible for approving policy for the police department. So once again, it'd be fair to have uh, the chief or Adam or walk us through in general and say, hey, we have a change of the police. This is what happens. It goes through the police. It goes through the city attorney. Walk us through in general those steps. Would that be a fair start there? I'm, not, yeah, I'm sounding I'm like I'm repeating. I'm just wondering about... The, what you're talking about, any kind of input in from the force on any of these changes? Public. Since it should be public uh, input. Public, public and or certainly a stakeholder. Yes, mm -hmm. that's the uh, public. Which could be the union um, as well as uh, identified groups within the police department that would have that responsibility of, of providing input. In addition, now are you thinking every policy? Uh, the primary policies. Uh, now, if I'm not mistaken, looking at the policy manual, there are a lot of uh, standard operating procedures that are in there. That that is a whole separate manual. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so so, um, yeah, I'll, I'd be curious to learn about uh, the policy piece. Uh, yes. Uh, so just to summarize and make sure I'm understanding you correctly, what I'm hearing is you would be very interested in having the chief articulate how our policy process works from mm -hmm. we need to make a change or we need a new policy to that policy's in effect and be able to discuss that with you, with you guys. In a, yes, that sounds fair. Fair? Because mm -hmm. okay. I'm, I'm familiar with the policy changes and things like that, and it is a lot of work. Yeah, I mean, there's the training and all of the processes in there, and you take the manual itself and apply back and forth, and you know, it's 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 a challenge to have it uh, scripted out in a lot of detail because we'd be here a while. So maybe you know, as we've agreed to there, okay. that would work. Mm -hmm. And I apologize if I kind of went off uh, through the agenda there, but it uh, looks like uh, we have a hand up for Stephen. 
Stephen, would you like to uh, uh, input yeah, your public I'm, comment? I'm sorry. I appreciate the time. It, I'm so happy that you're talking about the nuts and bolts of what really makes the police department, and that is the policy and procedure manual. Prior to the implementation of the Lexipol written and copyrighted manual, there was little or nothing that said little and did nothing. Ooh, I might have created a monster in trying to say we got to have a policies and procedures manual because now we have a policies and procedures manual that gives them carte blanche to do whatever they want, whenever they want, if they want, and if they don't want. And if they want to make it up today, they just throw it in there. Thank you for asking the probing questions about who approves that manual. Um, I think the one doctor said affirm. That's right. They just throw it up there and that's the way it is. It's copywritten. They just cannot add to it. Now the good doctor, Tonya, come on now, stakeholders. You're telling me the public are not the stakeholder in this as the other doctor, Mishra, says the public need to be part of it. And we're worried about police people want for their policies. Oh my goodness. Okay, well, I'm all about controlling the means of production and having say as a labor pool. But you know, there is a big difference between rank and file union members and cabal members from the fraternal order of a police that allow anybody in there. Now, that's who's writing the goddamn manual. Excuse me, I get a little bit animated when I think about this stuff. But at any rate, yeah, I appreciate the efforts. You know, there's so much to talk about, and there is a need to have this kind of dialogue. Dr. Robinson, I differ with you in terms of putting people on the spot. That's when they are called the task and have to do and expose really what they are. Yes, you remember now I'm gonna close because I'm, remember the play Hamilton between Aaron Burr and Hamilton. What was it all about? Talk less, smile more. Don't let them know what you're against and what you're for. And that's how a lot of you are on the board. I don't know what you stand for. I'm out here telling you what I stand for. I understand some neutrality and you're making some progress, but come on now. And I've gone past the three minutes, but the thing deal is this little group that's coming together and telling you how to do your work. Man, I still haven't gotten the notices about when those are because the guy is going around massaging each of you. I'm going to be dead by the time that stuff happens. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen. So are we ready to move on to agenda number four, fair and impartial police uh, training? Mm -hmm. Okay. Would you like to give us a... Oh, like sorry. Adam? I, uh, we had fair and impartial police training last Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, it was attended by several of the board members, uh, Chair Minor and Board Member Mishra. I was there for Tuesday. Yes. And uh, I, I think it was a very good training. We had a lot of good conversation. Uh, it was training provided by Dr. Laura Fordell. She is one of the uh, forefront researchers in police data stop, collection analysis um, in that world. Um, there, there was a lot of different topics. We did discuss the, the specific data that we've collected here in Lawrence, and she did address some of those. Uh, she was complimentary that we were doing that and then had some um, insights as to uh, questions different people had about what we're collecting and when and how those processes work. Um, there was a considerable amount of just scenarios done in small groups. 
uh, to work through those. Uh, I have some of the material. I have a book, which I have homework now, um, and I'd be happy to share that with you. I apologize. I wasn't prepared to give a briefing on this, but uh, you have specific questions about how that went. Um, I guess I should tell you, uh, command staff was, was heavily represented. There was two uh, board members, as I said, two uh, commission members were there as well. And then um, a couple of uh, community members, including some uh, people from the school board or previous school board member, um, a, a gentleman who is a employee of the school district works in their security and we even had a, a high school student there the first day yeah. um, which uh, was was very interesting to see um, how that went so yeah, and, and I'd like to add that uh, I was present at that meeting uh, training for the, the day and a half that it transpired I thought it was good uh, some things that show some the difficulties. We had some nice roundtable discussions in regards to uh, on both sides, the community as well as the uh, police department on the challenges there are in how to approach a situation and how to understand certain situations. They didn't go in a lot of detail on that because she was just guiding us through the understanding of the fair and impartial police uh, issues and how we could look at that to go forward. It was not, I got the impression it was not for us to solve everything there at that meeting. It's for us to understand and get a ground, uh, uh, a framework, and then take it to that next step, whether it be from a community input as well as a police input, because we understand that both sides have difficulties in, in the jobs we're trying to do. Uh, Board Member Mishra, do you have anything you'd like to add to that? Yeah, I I had some conversation with Dr. Friedel too, and I remember one of the issues we've had in this board is asking the question, how do you know you're doing better on FIP? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the data, yes, that can so answer that. My my, I I asked that question several times on the day. And my impression was, and officer, you can correct me, is she made a statement that by going through this training will not improve FIP. Because <laughs> at this point, it's a social scientists issue about measuring FIP. There's, apparently, she said there's some measures, but the stop and, and search is one of the indicators, but it's not a good measure. And I, 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 I wish the chief were here because I wanted to have the conversation to say, it appeared that we didn't know what we were measuring, or we, we think we know what we were measuring, but we don't know what, how to measure it. So if it was weight, we didn't know the scales that we we're gonna use, whether it's gonna be dust or iron or gold or something, we don't know. 
And then, how do we know if we have improved or not? That to me is the bigger question. Because if we cannot tell the community that last year we were three on a seven-point scale, this year we are four on a seven-point scale, or 30 on a 100-point scale, and now we are 45 on a 100-point scale, we are moving in the right direction. So I did not get that. And I missed the second day. Uh, the doctor had said, uh, Dr. Friedel had said she was going to talk about some measures, but I was going through my notebook, and I don't have any measures. And one of the issues with implicit bias, remember we have had the, the Attorney General's office come and talk, spend at least two hours talking about it. Uh, implicit bias, how do you measure it? So they use the IATs, but all my research suggests that the IATs are not good measures. And Dr. Friedel also said, yes, IATs are not good measures, but we have good measures. But what those measures are, do we have an idea what those measures, how would we know next year? This is my question. How would we know next year that the Lawrence Police Department is a more fair police department. So it's a little difficult question to answer. What, what I heard was a little different than it sounds like what, what you described. Um, Dr. Fidel did speak mostly about implicit bias, and implicit bias being something that everyone has, and it's affected by upbringing, uh, your life experiences, a hundred different things that I can't articulate each one of at this time. Uh, and to measure it and say, you're a five, you're an eight, it is not something that social scientists are comfortable doing. Um, you know, even on like the MMPI, the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory, it's not a, but you scored an 87. And, you know, there is a lot to be involved in there. So to take a score from IAT, which she did agree had some, some issues, um, and then say, well, this year you scored a four, and next year we expect you'll have a seven. It, she, at least what I heard her say was, there isn't a perfect solution to that, something that you can measure today and measure tomorrow and show progress. The goal, now she did mention some different measures, but I never heard specifically what those, See, um, yeah. what those uh, IAT-like assessments are. Um, but in my opinion in some of the social science things is it's going to be the next best one until people poke enough holes in it mm -hmm. and it's not which is what the IAT was in my opinion um, the big point that I think she was trying to drive home is the training needs to be on acknowledging understanding and discussing everyone's implicit biases so that you are aware of those biases and can mitigate that or at least work to not allow them directing your behavior. Mm -hmm. That's that's what I took away. This is board, board member Minor. I um, I took it as it is difficult to put down um, specific data points, but more or less how policy changes and procedures you put in place from hearing from what the situation is. And for example, how are you improving uh, in regards to a certain situation where we put this 
policy or procedure in place to try to reduce it, but it still goes off to how do you measure that and the difficulties there. It's not like you're out in, um, in other circumstances where you can say, okay, I got a one, I got a two, I got a three, changes there. This is more uh, vaguer, if this is a fair term, because we talked about explicit bias, which is obvious, you know, and then there's implicit, which is you have to, I would think, and I'm not a nowhere near expert or even think to be knowledgeable on this, but you got to look at it from a whole and just kind of squeeze it down and smaller and smaller things and put procedures in place to make to, to deal with those situations. Well, that would be, that was my other question is, while there's a way to maybe perhaps consider measurement and how do we examine improvement overall and what are the indicators that, mm -hmm. that lead us in that direction. Um, so were there other recommendations that were discussed about how to cultivate and foster a, a culture of of embracing um, yeah. this value and this practice and, and, and affirming that, whether it's in policies, whether it's in practice, whether it's in a post-review of an incident that rises to whatever level where you do a post-review, you know, where were we? Let's talk about where, where we were in the process of this incident, whatever the incident was or the event, and, and, and um, making sure that um, fostering the fair and impartial um, um, approaches um, that you can identify as indicators or behaviors that lend itself to that are reviewed at, at that level. I, I'm just, this is just a recommendation. I mean, again, and I don't want to get down in the weeds in that, but, but fostering it throughout the, the, the culture of the, of the LPD, whether it's in mission statement, uh, philosophy, guiding principles, policies, whatever they might be. And, and we did talk about that a little bit, excuse me. Uh, okay. Uh, we did talk about, uh, one of the things I brought up was uh, for new recruits and for people coming into the police department that a statement, not so much, not doesn't have to be so much a mission statement, but says this is what the police department is. Mm -hmm. By that step, you're able to say this is, and it doesn't have to be in a lot of detail. It could be one principles, or two paragraphs. Guiding principles, gu guiding values. By saying, this is what we are, and this is what we will not tolerate. You know, and, and a statement like that, if it's strong enough, lets the new recruits come in and understand, or the general police population understand uh, where to go with that. So we there's fewer gray areas in operation. We understand that there's situations that change out on the street, but at least we're trying to go on the path that the other communities ha are struggling with. You know, we're not going down that road. That makes sense. We, we did talk about a couple of specific, uh, specific concepts, you know, not so much the, the the big picture stuff is, okay, what can you specifically do today to make any kind of change in your mind and how you process some of these things? And one of the things that we, we had done previously when I was involved in the investigation division is uh, a mindful pushback against confirmation bias. Okay, what, you know, see a piece of evidence. What do we think that means? 
Okay, why do we think that means that? Is that, are we thinking that because that's a quick answer, that's an easy answer, or because everybody thinks that's true? You know, and, and actively looking for that other opinion that says, well, well no, I see it a different way. And, and some practice at that um, is just one strategy. You know, there's a bunch of different strategies. Uh, contact theory being something that's pretty widely known and discussed of putting employees, officers, detectives, supervision, everybody mm -hmm. in situations to have contact with people who they don't normally have contact with. Maybe people that don't look like them or live like them in a positive way instead of just in that moment of crisis in the middle of something bad. And that's not new. You know, we weren't reinventing the wheel there. That's something that's been out for a while. But but working on those type of um, opportunities to, to do that, to maybe um, at least chip away at some biases that have taken a lifetime to put in place, if that makes sense. What was that theory called? Contact, Contact theory. theory. Contact theory. Yeah. And I, I think when in the community engagement group, when we talk about which groups do they have interactions with, mm -hmm. that is part of the contact theory. So you go and meet the people that you normally would not meet in positive scenarios. <coughs> Because otherwise, your implicit bias always triggers and you say, wow, that guy has a gun on them. Mm -hmm. But if you meet people like them who are good, fun to be around with, then you start breaking that association. And so it helps. So I want, remember, we've been asking for this, is these connections that you, contacts that you make with the community, how many do you make with the proactive sense to be in that contact theory mold rather than go to the group that is like me and we fill in the charts and it works well. It means we contacted, went to so many organizations, met with so many individuals, but contact theory has not worked at all on that because we did not go to a group of uh, the community group, which, if I may use the word, we have uh, expressed uh, bias against. And in this, uh, when we think in terms of fair and impartial, we are looking at uh, the most vulnerable communities. Mm -hmm. How much time have we spent with them? That's what we have to raise, I think, to get to the contact theory approach. And I, yes, it, it felt very good that we were getting at it without the theory behind it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, so that would be something that we can maybe yes. discuss more in our next subcommittee. Mm -hmm. and, uh, because we've been asking that question, who did we meet with? And did you go there with a specific purpose or did you go there because you felt comfortable going there? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, good viewpoints here, uh, especially from... Uh, Assistant Chief Adam, is that correct? Uh, would we like to, uh, when we meet again, get the viewpoint from the police chief, Chief Lockhart, or do we, are, are we satisfied here with what we've discussed? I, I think we still need to ask the question of, as I asked uh, the Assistant Chief, is how do we know next year that we did better? Okay. Mm -hmm. So we'll bring the community in. wants to know. 
So we'll bring mm -hmm. that up at mm -hmm. the next meeting. Is yeah. that fair? Yeah. Sounds mm -hmm. fair. And, and <laughs> we have asked that question also is, how do you know that that training helped? Right. Mm -hmm. How do you fold in the, the, the expectations of that, of that training yes. then in your process procedures? Mm -hmm. Again, build it into the culture. Yes. So we'll talk about that at the next meeting. We'll go expand a little bit more. Uh, and so I don't go off, off stream here. Uh, we have a hand up from uh, Sherilyn Wells. Mm -hmm. Would you like to uh, give us your three minute uh, comment? Um, <clears throat> I don't know this is exactly about bias, but I know that Blacks and natives are in the jail more, and blacks and natives are homeless more way out of proportion. And I've worked around homeless people, and they've been, they actually have died more in the streets here. And I think it's like the overall context of how well we are helping or including people that are blacks and natives in our helping network or whatever you'd want to say. And it seems to me that blacks and natives like other people are ending up in the jail because they have mental health and or substance abuse problems just like other people, but we don't seem to be helping these people properly. And somebody said, well, it's historical oppression. Well, it has something to do with it. But I don't know if it's so much bias as we're not really bringing up people somehow and including them properly in help or voice or something. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Stephen? Hi, thank you. The uh, implicit bias training, it's a good effort. I provided just a resource off the top of my head. I can't even remember the name of it. I mean, I can go find it. I've sent so much data to you. Equity. As well as to the police department people. And um, what I'm trying to get at is, is that the training is good, but we have to go and find training that is not typical, that is approaching the new times the way it is now. And we do that by looking at alternatives, not the tried and true. And we cannot count on the police department to find those resources. It would be nice if we could. I would be thrilled to death if there was some inkling. And I have to say that Adam Hefley is, a, a, is an attribute to the department. I have found him to be very reasonable and fairly easy to work with. But the bottom line is these guys stick up for one another to the point of criminality. This issue with Brad Williams and the implicit bias that brought it up, I don't care that he arrested women. What I do care about is that he fabricated reports and framed people to put them in prison. If the police can do that, how can they be trusted? And this person did it over and he was allowed to do it for a long time. I understand being in the heat of a battle situation where the guy next to you, uh, I understand more than you might want to believe, but at the same time, these guys are messing around with people's lives. And if they can fabricate this stuff in reports, what are we going to do? So implicit bias training, that's all touchy-feely and sensitive, right? How do we convert warrior training to unload magazines of machine pistols against people and at the same time have the expectation that the people who are capable of doing that 
give a rat's rear end about bias. <laughs> it's rich. I understand the challenge that we confront, but these are the questions that have to be asked and answered instead of just hanging, which is why I believe the Citizens Review Board needs to control policymaking, procedure making, establish standards and expectations, as well as what trainings people go to. Of course, we want the union to tell us, we, 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 our guys want to go to this. We want the leadership to tell us this. But this idea of the secrecy that goes on, well, we'll get around to telling you when we feel like it. It's like what happened with the immigration law. Instead of the police shall notice the public by six hours, it's the, sh the police shall endeavor to notice. Right, Ms. Bickford? So the subtle nuances that go on, not just with training, but with everything, are what are going to dictate the changes. The, the, the implicit bias training was a beginning, and that's all it was, from a Department of Justice member of the cabal who's making money off of it. Let's try to find some new people, like what went on in uh, St. Louis, the group that I sent you about. Thank you. Thank you. So with no more discussion on that, we move on to uh, number five, discussion uh, regarding public comment. I think I'm the one that uh, inputted that in there. Is that correct? Uh, so uh, I was looking at Jennifer because we talked ahead of time on that. Uh, but my thoughts are, uh, and I kind of straight off there. Can I interject before we go yes. into this conversation? Because one of the things that we talked about while putting this on the agenda is that we wanted to have direction from the city attorney as to what the rules around public comment are. Yes. And to my knowledge, we have not received any information and she is not here to provide that presentation to us or the public. So uh, what I would like to do is give the framework of my thoughts there, and we could still go to the, we still have to go to, to, the, city to the city. Okay. And, uh, but just in general, because since I brought this, uh, put this on the agenda. Is Randy Larkin not able to speak to that? I think Randy's Randy. Randy. on. Randy's there. Randy is, is there. Randy here? Is yeah. Randy? Oh, sorry. I was looking for Tony. That's My apologies. Unmute. Yeah. Who has a um, I found out about the agenda item just like two days ago. I don't know. I'm just here to answer questions and if you're expecting a, or want a presentation from the city attorney's office, we can do that, but I don't know that we're prepared to do that today. <laughs> but I can answer questions regarding procedures, First Amendment, things like that, but we do not have a presentation. So what's the expectation? Are you able to speak, Randy, to what the expectation is around public comment for city boards? The, uh, this is Randy Larkin, Deputy City Attorney. There is a resolution of the city commission that governs uh, advisory boards. And the recommendation is that advisory boards should, just should, accept public comment. Um, you know, if you go back 10 years ago, it was very uncommon for advisory boards to have accepted public comment other than perhaps the planning commission where they're dealing with property rights and due process things. Um, that changed four or five years ago, and that, that was the direction of the city commission at that time regarding that resolution. 
and it left it as should so that there is some discretion. Some boards accept public comment on every item. Some boards accept public comment on some items and some of the boards that we have don't accept public comment at all. So it's kind of a, a free, free range. So Randy, my thoughts on public comment was, um, we have it at the start of the meeting, uh, accepting public comment, and they could talk about the past meetings, things like that, but they're limited to, uh, each individual is limited to three minutes, and then public comment at the end of the meeting, where the individuals can touch on all of the topics that we have discussed, where we're not going through each individual line item there. And I wanted to put that, you know, put that thought out there of uh, if the board felt that that was uh, uh, something that we should adopt and uh, explain in, in our future meetings that this is how we're gonna uh, go forward. Would that be a problem there? So This is uh, Randy Larkin, Deputy City Attorney. That can absolutely be done. Uh, there's no requirement that public comment be received at boards. We do that to so that we have public input and that has been the recommendation, but there is no First Amendment requirement unless somebody has due process rights involving the particular matter coming up. There are lots of boards and city commissions and other places throughout the state that do not have public comment. The only thing that you're going to that I recommend and always do that if you're going to have a rule, you apply it to everybody equally. So it's not based on content of speech or anything of that matter. So if you have a period of public comment at the beginning and a period of public comment at the end, that is perfectly, uh, that's perfectly legal under the constitution. And that's what I was thinking that we'd give uh, each individual the opportunity to, to discuss within that three minute time frame. But I think it would uh, help uh, the board uh, go through the issues as well as uh, calming those that are getting, uh, little agitated and, and certain statements or certain issues, they would still they would still have public comment. I think the city of Lawrence and this board needs to hear from the uh, the community. And but you know we can control it a little bit better or a little bit different. But I'd like to hear some viewpoint from the board members as well. What so are you any thoughts? My viewpoint and I just propose that for every policy change we should have public comments. And I want us to be held accountable by the community. And to that extent, I am open to public comment. Mm -hmm. uh, and it should be whenever. We want the public to engage with us, rather than we, just like we want the complaint process to be as easy as possible, we want the public to engage with us as easily as possible, as often as possible. Mm -hmm. So with that in view, I would say the pr procedure we've been using, and if you want, if we want to bring public comment after every item, I'm, I would uh, stand for that. Yeah, if I could, I, I agree with you, Sanjay. I think I find a lot of value in public comment on individual agenda items. And I, I know it adds time to our meetings and time is a consideration. Um, however, I, I think any 
ways that we, any steps we can take to reduce barriers between the public and communication with us and LPD, I think those are steps that we need to take. Um, I feel, yeah, I, I think if time is our issue, maybe we need to be mindful about how many agenda items we yeah, have. We bring. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But I, I have really valued the public comment we've received about our agenda items. Um, and I think that, you know, the citizens that engage with us have unique uh, perspectives and unique, um, you know, time to, to research and provide us with more information that we don't, we don't have. Um, right. So, um, yeah, th those are my thoughts. Anyone else? I agree with these folks. Yeah, I agree with them too. Okay, so mm -hmm. we'll we'll continue on in the same framework. Uh, three minutes. Yeah, is that fair? Mm -hmm. Three minutes. Mm -hmm. Public comment from me on each individual uh, agenda item, mm -hmm. and we go from there. And you know we're running pretty good on time, so we're very good on time. So uh, yeah, yeah, and I think you know if it's possible to combine agenda items that are similar, mm -hmm. you know, potentially receiving updates from subcommittees, mm -hmm. you know, um, just to be a little bit more deliberate with planning agenda items so that, you know, we do get out of here within our kind of self-imposed time limit as well. With that said, we have Stephen that has his hand up. Okay, let Stephen. Okay. Yeah. Let Stephen speak. Uh, just a brief comment. I, you know, I appreciate your discussion here. And hey, how, how does it feel to exert some authority? Because secretly, I mean, it's like the Wizard of Oz all over again. You know, in terms of you having to be told you have these skills without the wizard giving them to you. Here's the deal: you don't have to ask Randy Larkin or any of the town executive team, mother may I to do diddly squat. You can do whatever you want. You are empowered to do this. There is nothing written about restricting public comment. And this discussion that has gone on in this community about it from the Howard, the, from the city commission on down to all these boards is offensive. It really is. Lawrence, Kansas touts itself to be progressive and it, and it begrudges three minutes to people. That's absolutely incredible. And it's coming from guys that are making one hundred and fifty and one hundred and sixty thousand dollars a year who are accustomed to having it easy. I don't fault the town executive team. I know they work hard, but at the same time, they need to be reminded they work for the people of Lawrence instead of the future hundred years and avoiding lawsuits. So, yeah, it feels good. I appreciate what you're doing there. You can continue to do it. You don't have to ask permission. You tell the lawyer what to do. That's how it works. You tell the lawyer, I want to do this. Figure out how to do it. That's what Donnie Trump was doing all this time. But seriously, it's how you work in government. It is. I know it's how it works. It's work. It worked really well. You control the show. The lawyers don't. They will try to convince you that they do, but they do not. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. So I wanted to take us back to, sorry, when all this came up on the work group, and there were three things. Is there scope? We are only looking at the ordinance, but the ordinance will look 
for the entire thing, one of our recommendations was to increase the size of the board too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that will be looked at a little Absolutely. closely. Thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because when we are talking about, mm -hmm. that came up for me. Absolutely. Okay. Sorry to take you back. No, that's fine. Going back is good. <laughs> okay. And I, I have to say, in terms of the development of the work group and the, and the document that we put together, I, I'd like to acknowledge that, that uh, uh, Jane, when she was uh, on, um, Jane Gibson and Stephanie and I both asserted, you know, to make, to make sure that that address was included in the work of the work group and, and the recommendations of changes that we, that we proposed as a group. Are we ready to move on to agenda item number six? Receive the monthly complaint report from Chief Lockhart. Well, let me change that. Receive the monthly complaint report from Assistant Chief Adam Hefley. I appreciate that, sir. <laughs> uh, if, you, if you don't have that before, I'm just going to read through. Okay. And, uh, it's the 2022 Office of Professional Accountability, and I'm going to do my best to speak into the microphone and not okay. turn my back on you and you all. Uh, case summaries of complaints for September. Uh, complaint number PC22-36, received September of 2022. Officers were dispatched to a disturbance. During this investigation, one of the involved adult parties was arrested. The arrested person's parent called in to complain that the person was illegally arrested. This investigation found that the officers established probable cause to arrest the adult who was arrested. Uh, the complaint specifically was to illegal arrest, and the finding was exonerated. Uh, the following two go to something that was brought up in a previous agenda item, or discussion at least, about cases that have not been um, completed but are in process. So uh, PC22038 received September of 2022. The complaint was harassment. Uh, false arrest and improper search and or seizure. Uh, all three are listed as active investigations. And then complaint PC22039 received September of 2022. The complaint was excessive use of force, false reporting, and tampering with evidence. All three are listed as active investigations. Would it be noted on these if any were bias based? Uh, complaints. Uh, I believe it would be. I, this is off. I believe it would be noted on there if they were bias based. Okay. But I don't know 100%. And I can ask that um, if that is something of nature that it may be added or at least discussed with this board, mm -hmm. if that would be appropriate. Mm -hmm. okay. That would be great. Thank you. So, Assistant Chief, it looks like we get less than five complaints a month. Is that fair assessment? I hesitate to say that there's consistency month to month. Um, I, and I'm going to speak to my history in the Office of Professional Accountability. Um, it, there was a natural uh, peak and valley to everything. Certain times of year you might have more complaints, certain times of year you might have less. Certain events. Um, either nationally or locally might trigger some mm -hmm. additional complaints to the office. 
So you really, there really isn't a line graph pattern that you can say, well, well we should be seeing this many. Uh, and then I would also say that uh, sometimes we'll have a, a call in of um, something of the nature of, uh, I'll pass an officer who is driving down the road with his windshield wipers on, but his headlights weren't on. Um, so that is technically a call in. I complained about an officer, but that is not one that you're going to see on this report uh, because it's a an officer, a supervisor would have addressed that immediately with the officer, um, dealt with that as they keep teach coach train, and then discuss that with them and documented it in some way as as a so it's noted, but it's not a official complaint. If that makes sense, that, that absolutely makes sense, and I understand there'll be troughs and valleys and. There'll be special situations when complaints spike. But if I look at unit of measure as a year, mm -hmm. would that average out some of the peaks and troughs? Uh, I, yeah, it should. So how many, how many in a year do we? You're not going to see consistency from last year to this year um, because of, and, and probably even the year before, uh, of course, pandemic changed the way we interact. Yes. So that's, that's, yes. You know. uh, the second one would be um, the way we receive complaints through email, anonymously, all these different ways, increasing our net, so to speak. We hope to catch more. So we will likely see more this year than last, I believe. Mm. Uh, if I, I haven't looked at the numbers. So I hesitate to say okay. it is trending that way or it is not. Uh, that is something that, that I can prepare uh, for the next meeting and arm with some data. And maybe I'm thinking ahead, but I know we can always tweak how we bring in, how large a funnel we have to bring in complaints. Yeah. But that would be one of the measures if we wanted to track fair and impartial is the number of complaints in an annual basis. If, if I may, we could. But you have to be careful about what value you put on that. And I just say, there's, Agreed. there's one, um, what am I trying to say? There's one bias-based complaint, complaint that's been processed by the Kansas Post, See. and that was ours. Yes. Now, I would also wager that nobody here believes that there was no bias-based policing in the state of Kansas in any other department. So you go either we're paying attention and addressing things and being open about it, or you say we're the only ones that have this problem or that had that issue. So I just ask that just it's deeper than just the number. And I know you know that because I, I, I get it. I'm just reminding. But we, we need to start that accumulation so 20 years out people will be able to see look how far we have come that's fair rather than wait for the best measure to come which will never come and so we never track this data and all i'm yes and that gives us and you a chance to go out to the public and say look we are doing better or we didn't do as well this year we need to double up on this this is extra training needed. Two hours is not enough. We need to bump it to eight. 
that's the input that we have been talking about in policy. How do we bring the loop together? I agree. I think I would add um, the integrity of the process, too. Yes. Needs to be validated uh, to, to build that kind of trust. Mm -hmm. um, what is the process? How do we know there's, there's a fair and objective uh, intake and, and review of the information and make sure that the information is is taken objectively and so on and so forth and reviewed objectively so on and so, that's all I, I would say that that can build that kind of trust uh, along with the numbers that you're talking about this is board member minor um, I have two questions on that the first one is how are the uh, complaints being received phone call uh, email, uh, the website, things like that. Uh, I think that's a start because when you look at that from an aggregate point of view, you say, okay, all of them are telephone calls. Well, why are they all mm -hmm. telephone calls? Yep. I kind of touched on that when I was talking about the uh, complaint process, me just going to the library and trying to go on the website. Me personally, I, you know, I probably may feel uncomfortable talking to a police officer directly. I'm better at writing it. So, and it's easier for me. So uh, I would, plus if it's fresh in my mind, I sit at the computer, this is what I have and I have those details. I don't have to have any feedback questions that may throw off my train of thought. The, so that's, you know, looking at those things of how are the complaints coming in. My next question is, and I'm new to the board on this, has the Office of Police Accountability came in and talked about the process? Do you, in general, what you go through to take a complaint and take it from the start, you receive this complaint, you do this, you do this, to the point that you get, not with the, all the details, but to the point that you get to determining exonerated or, or sustained or things like that. Has, has the- Blue uh, process, blue process, what do we call it now? The blue file, blue process. Blue teams. Blue, huh? Blue teams. Okay. So the, yeah. that's where the that entry, has been done. entry comes in. But there and there are questions through, about right? it too. Uh, so that do that we, need a we brought up in the pol in the in the policy. We brought up to in our group to as well, and and so um, I I can't remember. I think uh, Lieutenant Ernst uh, provided us that training. Is that correct? No. Uh, or, uh, chief, or the chief, acting chief Brixus. Oh, Brixus, that's right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Is that both have? Okay. They, uh, uh, yeah. I, I, I would encourage you, if you allow. I would encourage that to be something that's repeated. Yes. Every so often. Yes. You know, we have changes in board. We have changes in people who yep. watch mm -hmm. the meeting. We have now, now maybe not every meeting, but you know, uh, mm -hmm. I think at least once a year is appropriate just to walk through the process <coughs> it kind of also gives an opportunity to go my you know can we do better there is there something we can address it there mm -hmm. i don't think that's i don't think that's too much to ask i don't think that's yeah and just so you know that's something i plan on taking to the table of the work group because the the number one uh, item is handling complaints mm -hmm. and and it 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 has also uh, been under discussion with the policy committee as well. Yeah, it's ease of how whatever it takes an individual to feel comfortable in expressing what they experienced personally or what they have observed. And we want all those different 
avenues for the opportunities for that person to respond to. That's why I, I was not for sure. I was looking up to try to see when's the last time or has that ever been with regards to walking through a particular scenario and say in general this is how we deal with complaints you know yeah i think i think you thank you uh, both officers uh, presented on that i think um then acting chief braxis um also talked about uh, gave us quite some good information about the process of holding officers accountable in in the in the the personnel chain and the HR chain. I thought that was really good too. And I'd recommend that, uh, a repeat of that as well. And to mm -hmm. James' point and for Jordan, one of the things we discussed when we were trying to redo our, our ordinance was, when does a complaint become a complaint? Yeah, I think I wonder about where is that cutoff for... Who makes the decision that now this is a complaint rather yeah. than a conversation? And yeah. that would be in, an, in their process. The, the it should be. That. It should be. But yes. Part of the integrity of the process. <laughs> exactly, because... Um, that is, so I'm calling, yeah, good stuff, but... And then the moment I start, but the officer, that now from a praise has become a complaint. And who determines that? And it also goes down the path of regarding, I'm uh, maybe stretching this here, explicit and implicit bias. Absolutely. Because he, he came up to me and he said something nasty. Yeah. I said something nasty back. Or just the way nothing was really bad, it just made me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. You know? Yes. And is there a pattern there for that? You know? Uh, Deputy Chief, are you able to is that the correct title? Sure. Okay. Uh, sure. <laughs> yes, it is. Okay. Um, are you able to speak to where that cutoff is? If something's registered, like as an actual complaint, we'd see versus what a supervisor would address. Yes. Everything is is documented. So whether um, the example I gave of the driving without a headlights on in the in the rain, mm -hmm. everything is documented that comes in. Mm -hmm. um, if an officer or detective or supervisor shows up late, you know, five minutes late, 10 minutes late, and a supervisor has a conversation with them, that is documented. So uh, I don't want to give the impression that any complaint is, hey, don't do that, and then thrown out the window. It's documented, entered into the, the there's the software that's used, it's called IA Pro, that's where mm -hmm. we document complaints. There's two streams of it. There's one that's the blue teams, so that we have that to your point, uh, Chair M uh, Minor, if there starts to be a pattern in something that is low level, meaning like, I keep going back to the driving in the rain. If that occurs multiple times, well clearly this is a bigger issue than just you, you weren't thinking in the moment. Mm -hmm. So now that perhaps needs to become a IA Pro actual, you know, are we having a bigger issue here kind of incident to investigate. now. Where that line exists is the hard part because to go back to some of those examples, if somebody was curt in their language to a community member, is that a violation? Is it a coach teach train moment? And, and even that could be 
fallen on either side, depending on what was going on before, after, during that incident. So I hesitate to say, here's the bright line, because, mm -hmm. you know, in the law, they like bright line rules. So it's really hard to have a bright line in this one. Um, so let me get you a better defined, articulable answer to that before I try and come up with something off the cuff and, and confuse instead of inform. Yeah, I would think that, I would hope that anything that can show a, a more objective professional judgment approach and how it's documented would be my I, expectation. I think the ordinance has language as far as not pleased with the service provided or something. A complaint is uh, that the ordinance has a definition of a complaint, but that's only for, <laughs> I would say, uh, for the ordinance purposes, how it is executed is a very different thing. So for the board members, because anybody can come to any office mm -hmm. and say the officer didn't do justice or something. So our role, and if you remember our conversation with the uh, individual, you explicitly, I think, our role should be to ask that question. Do you want this to move forward as a complaint? Mm -hmm. Because then they have to make, and they should be making the decision rather than I making the decision that look, it looked like a complaint. So instead of the officer making the decision, should be the individual who should make the decision. Because mm -hmm. it's, uh, service not up to standards. It's like walking into a hotel room and you find the sheets messed up. It's what you think is, is not right. It's not what the, the mm -hmm. uh, person mm -hmm. who made the room yeah. thought it was mm -hmm. right or not right. Mm -hmm. Can I ask a question? Um, <clears throat> so we're just getting the complaints that are going to OPA and not the ones that are going to supervisors. Um, is there oversight by anyone in the city to look at, okay, here's the 50 complaints that we got. These three made it to OPA. The other 47 went to the supervisor. Um, who reviews those determinations? So there is a review of those entries uh, in real time. They're reviewable by all supervisors. So if I'm your supervisor, you're my supervisor, and then I transfer to you, and you have access to see that information. And it's not a secret. As, as I'm the employee, I also know those are there. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, any time a new entry is made, you can view the previous entries uh, during yearly evaluations that we do personnel evaluations, just like every, almost every business does, um, government or non. Um, does some kind of evaluation or review of those is done. So there's several different times where that could occur. And, <coughs> pardon me. And then if you have an incident which is, uh, we'll just say, of a more serious nature, it's all those are reviewed in context of, you know, is there something greater going on? Is this a one-off instance? Is this a pattern of behavior? Those kind of things. But all of that is internal. There's no... So city legal is involved quite frequently, depending on the nature of the complaint. And then the city manager's office receives a report every year of all the complaints. Of, I'm sorry, all of the OPA complaints. 
uh, with this is what happened, and they would have the opportunity to review each individual one if there was some issue that, that pushed it up, kept pushing it up. Okay. Um, but as far as like one person reading all this or somebody outside the city reading all these, to my knowledge, there isn't, there isn't one person that reviews all those or one entity. But with the per back to the personnel pieces, though, um, in terms of the ownership and the oversight with action or whatever needs to be taken, that's all within the city, the, the city manager's office? Unless it goes to, well, a couple different, unless it is a criminal incident, mm -hmm. which it goes out of the city pretty right. quickly, mm -hmm. or it is a fair and impartial issue, or a bias issue, I should say, sorry. If it's a bias issue, then it goes to the Attorney General's office in report form. Mm -hmm. uh, it also goes to the state or C post. So there's a couple different avenues mm -hmm. uh, that occur when certain uh, leave. <coughs> mm -hmm. in, in, in the, the HR department is involved w along with the city in, in many of personnel them, not issues. all. Um, and I'm trying to think of a good example of huh? from my time just because I don't want to speak about things that I don't have personal experience with, but a person would call in and say, you know, I, I, I got a ticket. I didn't deserve it. This is junk. You know, they'd use different language, but that's essentially the, the voice that was expressed. They have a conversation about why, and, and many a time somebody wanted to be heard. They wanted to be heard that, well, the reason that I did X, Y, and Z was because of this. And after we talked it out and stuff, then, then it was, then there was some I would say mediated effort of, well, do you at least understand why the citation was issued? Well, yeah, but I still disagree with it. Okay, and, and that is, that takes us to the next step in the process. So that is one that, at least when my time was in there, was frequent of, of a call I would get. That would not be necessarily an OPA complaint. Uh, but if they said, I got this ticket. The reason I got this ticket is because of the group I belong to or the group that the person who wrote the ticket belonged to. Well, that's a different matter. And, and then we'd look into that. So, and that might go outside the department based on the nature of the allegation. Well, I think to circle back to Sanjay's uh, discussion about like the total numbers of complaints, you know, like in cases like that, an increase in bias-based complaints might actually be evidence of a more informed yes. um, community, right? Mm -hmm. So that might be a sign yep. that people are informed of, like, here's what I need to do to identify this as a bias-based policing encounter, and I'm part of this protected group. Here's the list of groups, right? Um, so... While like a total number would be information, it might actually be positive information, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So. Yeah. I Absolutely agreed. Mm -hmm. I have Absolutely. to labor the point. But Absolutely agreed. Mm -hmm. The metric of reported sexual assaults, it's not, I don't want to claim that these are direct comparisons, they're not. But an increase in reported sexual assault doesn't necessarily mean that there's an increase in activity. It may mean that we're doing a better job of allowing Capture. people to tell mm -hmm. the story. Yep. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Pardon me. To feel more comfortable to report something that is really hard mm -hmm. to discuss and deal with, which this could be similar in that, in that vein. Mm -hmm. 
So I, I would back away from saying that raw number is necessarily, it, it's good data, but it's not necessarily data that I would want to act on. Now, findings and what those look like and how they proceeded and how the people felt at the end of it may be a better metric. Mm -hmm. That's something we could grab. But we, we, we're, we're in agreement on yes. this. Yes, yeah. and, and I also agree that as uh, Jenny spoke, that the increase in complaints may only be that we made them so we have a engaged public and we made it much easier for complaining to happen so absolutely but that intervention so if you if you look uh, you are making an intervention today how long should this effect last mm -hmm. you cannot say it lasts for 25 years right. it's got it now unless you do another intervention later and then you see it so this data will tell a story yeah. will tell a story of engaged you can parse out the differences so what are we, I'm kind of lost here on where what direction we want to ask. Are we looking at wanting to find out how data is being collected at the police department? Or how do we go forward from that? Because I'm thinking in, in two different ways here. You take uh, sexual assaults. Here's a complaint for sexual assaults. Then, yes, there may be, it may be going in this direction, but how many sexual assaults were confirmed? You know, and you showed a comparison. I mean, what? How is? Are we asking the police department how they track this data? How they, things of that nature? Would we like to see that of, in a chart or something like that? Something to say this is how we go about doing things and confirming and unconfirming. I'm ready to stick my neck out, but I was going to leave it to the policy group. The work group, I think, should probably... Or the policy group also to say... the policy group or the work group. And the work group. It's, it's in their domain. Because what I'm hearing is um, increase the accessibility for the complaints, right? Okay. Which was mentioned earlier with the mm -hmm. recommendation on the um, email address. Um, but also um, uh, better educating the public. Yep. And, and trying to increase the, um, the public's awareness and knowledge mm -hmm. of what, what might this be, better informed to guide them into the complaint process, yep. correct? Yep. Mm -hmm. without, waiting for the, without waiting for the subgroups to do all those things, is there anything we can, bring, we can discuss at our next meeting or the following meeting that we don't have to wait for the subgroup to look at or I think that could be a if if to be fair I think if that could be a recommendation from this group to make sure that the work group uh, um, addresses um, the very or affirms and addresses who's on the work group I was going to ask do you think it's fair to keep <laughs> project scope creep will happen because I don't want to interject Mm -hmm. Once you have decided this is what you're going to do, if it falls under any of those, then this is an issue to bring up. Uh, other than that, we want to keep it to ourselves. So really quickly, what I'm hearing folks talk about is metrics and data on mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. overall complaints that are coming in from whatever source they are. 
And that would be a larger scope of complaints than what we see here. And I know last mm -hmm. month mm -hmm. we asked, hey, can we see the other complaints that are coming in, not just what's resolved? But I think what we're looking for now is data on the whole body of complaints, not just the complaints that are sent to OPA. Is that accurate? But I heard you also say some explanation, articulation of what equals what. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think that would that would be a, a definitely needs to occur in that context. And, mm -hmm. and is it fair to request how does the PD at today look at this data? Uh, how does it categorize? Because we here are putting some categories on, but I want to see first how the PD does it. And then we can make changes, improvements, what we think should be done. I, I board member minor, I just hate that everything seems like it's going to the subcommittee. No, the, the we, PD. We just uh, brought it back here and we're... Asking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In other words, how did PC22038 complaint, how did the category of harassment come up? Is that what you're... Or about? no, how do how does the police department use this information? How do they categorize it? So this is a complaint. What are the categories? What are the characteristics of a complaint? So yeah, where's that cut off for okay. if a supervisor gets to address it or if it, you know? Moves or this is female. Do you do gender of the person? Do you do race of the person? Do you do age of the person? Do you do whatever income level, uh, houselessness of the person. Mm -hmm. Do you do categorize what you, I want to see what you do. So, okay. or the what? board would like to see, I want to say. Yeah, and I think that, I think in general, going back, I'm repeating myself here, going in general, they could probably bring that to this board without having to go through a whole lot of yes. detail yeah. with the subcommittees and all of that, mm -hmm. and just say, once again, this is how we break those things down, and yes. this is how we go to that path. 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, or whatever it takes to give us and the those listening in a better understanding of how the a window into works. a window into exactly the process. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is that reasonable to expect? Mm -hmm. I think it'd be nice to have um Maybe it's just how my mind works. I think we've been talked through the process. I think I'd be interested in seeing if there's any written documentation of the process. Um, I think that'd be useful for us to be able to um, conceptualize it. Mm -hmm. So are we done with this topic? I am. Okay. We don't have any resolutions to make here, right? No, no, no motions. I think we just gave Adam a lot of homework. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. For us also, because if they do work, we have to do work too. <laughs> so I think before we go to talking about, we know that the next meeting is scheduled for November 10th. Uh, what are the topics that we want to bring up? Uh, those agenda items we, we've been talking about a lot. I see amend the minutes to uh, include the complaint in number for September. Is that something we want to bring up the next time, the next meeting? Did we cover that? So, so hopefully the chief will give us, and, and we got that number today, the in process as well as 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's we don't need to talk about. Well, we that just anymore. need to amend the minutes. Just need to amend the minutes. Yeah. So amend the minutes, so, and then we'll approve them. And we already did that. We yes made a motion to amend that. So that we'll, an action has already happened. So okay, thank you yes. so much. So on item six, we've concluded our discussion of item six. So do we want to ask if there's public comment on that? I don't know if we have any. I don't see any hands left. But just wanted to make sure. Is there anyone out there that wants to provide public comment? <clears throat> going once, going twice. Okay. okay. Uh, it was a comment brought up about beanbag shotguns. Is that uh, something part of uh, police practice or implemented, or or is that in the works? Or uh, yes, being, uh, beanbag shotguns is a less lethal tool that is currently deployed in patrol vehicles now. Okay. So does every what do you call? It? Person who arrives at the scene have a beanbag shotgun? No, uh, they're in they're in vehicles. Mm-hmm. So so each vehicle has. I have to double check. At least most vehicles okay. have uh, a beanbag shotgun. We don't carry the traditional shotgun with with quote unquote lethal rounds in it anymore. We just exclusively have shotguns that carry a beanbag less lethal round. No. I was going to ask the next one, what determines the use of when they use a beanbag shotgun? Uh, apparently, it, 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 it's there because you don't have a, another choice outside of your pistol, things of that nature. This, so that, that gets. I, w- I wonder if we should like put this tactics. on the agenda. Yes. Okay. And because okay. I, think, I think public, the public would probably like to comment right. on this, and, and we'd like be to be prepared for it. Follow up from what was introduced at our last meeting mm-hmm. from Chief yeah. Lockhart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, so it, it would be a follow-up. It benefits you to hear somebody who trains. Okay. Or okay. at least has a really intimate knowledge of the training mm-hmm. to discuss mm-hmm. how, when, where, okay. all those kind of considerations. So I'll put that as an agenda item. Yep. Okay. So and then as far as the complaint report, we asked uh, if we can um, have on here if it's a bias base um, complaint, you know, have that noted, mm-hmm. and then... Yeah, asking for the cutoff, you know, asking for kind of explanation. Mm-hmm. Those are things that mm-hmm. we've asked for. Yeah, and what kind of data or metrics you're tracking on right. complaints coming in? If you're if you're doing that, which metrics you're tracking? It, yeah. it might be helpful also to draw out the meeting, but to have a repeat uh, presentation. Um, for the new board members on OPA's complaint process, complaint process, as well as the HR process. Well, if it's if Brexus presented it, I can look. We should we keep all the records. We should be able to look back and find it. But you know, without having a repeat presentation, going back to that video where he talked about, I think I was here at that time, and Brixus talked about that. I'm not for sure. Was it? Uh, I don't think so. I want to say year and a half at least Mm -hmm. ago. April 2021 is where I would put it. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like we're due for uh, a little bit of update. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. And if our agenda is to beefy already for next month, we could always do that. That's Say that again. If our agenda is too full already, we could always do that in December. In December. Yeah. Mm -hmm. March 11, 2021. March oh. 20. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, like to make a motion to adjourn? I move. I second. All in favor, say aye. 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 Meetings adjourned. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Adam, thank you. Yes. Absolutely. Yes, thank you for being here.